Support comes from Adelaide Interiors. Their design team can expertly manage every detail of your renovation and remodeling project from start to finish. From bathrooms to kitchens, appliances, cabinets, countertops, flooring, and coverings. More at Adelaide.com. Support for The Zest comes from People's Gas, delivering clean, efficient, and affordable natural gas for cooking at home with precise temperature control. More at floridasenergy.com. The old system is built on on a military model where you take a new recruit and you break them down in boot camp until they have no sense of self left, and then you build them back in your model. So the whole system was designed to break you. I'm Delia Colon, and this is The Zest, citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and Southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. We need to talk about mental health. A celebrated Tampa chef is speaking up about how he says the restaurant industry is designed to break people down and how, when it comes to solutions, we all have a role to play. Over his career, Greg Baker worked his way up from teenage dishwasher to a six-time James Beard Award-nominated chef. Greg is perhaps best known as the chef behind The Refinery, a popular farm-to-table restaurant in Tampa's Seminole Heights neighborhood that he owned from 2010 to 2019 with his wife, Michelle Baker. Greg loves how a plate of food can make someone happy. But for Greg and countless others in the restaurant industry, the work often has the opposite effect. Greg says it's no coincidence that his industry is a breeding ground for serious issues like mental health struggles, substance abuse, and even suicide. In our conversation, Greg opens up about his own struggles and suggests ways to make things a little better, whether you're a restaurant worker or a customer. And as you've probably guessed by now, this conversation gets into some pretty heavy subjects and may not be appropriate for all listeners. How did you get into cooking and what do you love about this industry? So I was 15 and I needed a job. You know, I pulled out the uh, the one ads in the, the St. Pete Times because that's how you found a job back then and started looking for the places that were within a bike ride distance from my house. And I wound up walking into a Greek restaurant and applying for a job as a dishwasher. Eventually, I uh, you know, I kind of idolized the cooks. Uh, you know, these were the middle of the days of when classic rock wasn't classic and everybody was still wearing platform shoes and had long hair and sang bad company songs poorly at the top of their lungs and it's like these guys are cool i don't want to be like them but i kind of want to be like them (laughs) and when there was a chance you know i started learning you know whenever whenever i was caught up i would learn little tasks that i could help with just to be able to you know occupy my time but also to learn something new so you know i started out on toast and you know are you serious <laughs> on the pancake yeah i mean <laughs> making toast in a restaurant is a whole different process than making it in your house you know? oh gosh i'm not cut out for that business all the kids listening yeah, I mean, are like all the kids are like what's an album what's a want ad what's rock music <laughs> Just yeah I'm, 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 I'm old enough to be a grandfather at this point unfortunately <laughs> No, I love it because you bring that wisdom. So you had that classic story of starting as a dishwasher and working your way up. Yeah. But what did you love? What did you grow to love about this industry? 
you know, is there's a lot of things. There's never not an opportunity to grow, you know, even at the level that I got to. It's, you know, there's still places to go up from there, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, you know, new knowledge to find, new techniques to find, new skill sets, um, utilizing things that you never thought you would use when you slept through chemistry class in high school. And, uh, <laughs> Guilty <laughs> learning as how charged. <laughs> Learning how to be an actual leader and a manager versus a boss, uh, thing, you know, things like that, that, you know, they don't send you to school for in this business. It's, uh, here, make this. Okay, you're the best at making this. Now you're the boss. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know there was never a reason to stop learning. And, you know, it was accompanied by a sense of immediate gratification. You know, if a table loved her food and sent back a, sent back their compliments in whatever form, you know, it's like, okay, I'm doing a good job. You know, that positive reinforcement wasn't going to come from the boss. So you get it from the customers, you know, know, that's large in a nutshell. That's what I love about the industry. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to borrow the words of somebody else, but, you know, you have the opportunity to make a positive difference in the world and very small ways that can you know have a butterfly effect of this man uh this he's a, he's a chef um one of the godfathers of american cuisine but he gave this this motivational speech before dinner shift one night and uh said you know we can somebody comes through the door and they've been in a bad mood all day you know they spend an hour and a half two hours with us and they might have a smile on your face and they might hold the door for somebody when they're going through, they might be a little kinder to somebody in traffic. And how does all that just kind of flow out through the world? We can make the world slightly better by just making people happy. I love that. Food always makes me happy. You talked about, (laughs) (laughs) you talked about um, the instant gratification of customer feedback. And then of course you have tons of accolades. People in Tampa Bay probably best know you for the refinery restaurant. Mm -hmm. You seem really funny and happy on social media. So sharing as much or as little as you'd like, but where did the mental health piece come into play for you? Because on the outside, you seem to have it all. So they say about many people, um, I've struggled with depression and anxiety as long as I can remember back to preschool years. You know, <laughs> you know, we look at people like um, Robin Williams or Anthony Bourdain or Chris Cornell who died by their own hands. And everybody's like, had it all. Like, yes, but there's something that kind of drove that passion that they had. And that, that, that level of passion rarely comes from a good place. Does that make sense? There's always some sort of turmoil that manifests itself into something else more positive to bring out this exterior persona that people uh, people see, people understand. Like, oh, you're yeah, you're cool, you're you're, you're happy, and you're like, underneath that, that's that's pulling out, that's wearing a mask most of the time, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, That's interesting that you mentioned Robin Williams. And obviously, we don't know the ins and outs of anyone's uh, personal health information. But I can see parallels between making someone laugh as a comedian and making them happy as a chef, putting delicious food in front of their face. What do you think it is about the hospitality industry in particular that kind of 
chews people up and spits them out as a as a person sitting in the dining room what am i not seeing well you know i've always referred to the kitchens as the island of misfit twice it's a place where i'm an extreme socially awkward introvert and i am light years past where i was when i was 15 years old (laughs) i'm very i'm i'm incredibly outgoing by comparison you know, I, it's a place where people don't fit in can fit in because other people, they find other people who are like them and there's a bond formed there. But there's a big question that got posed by a friend of mine named um, Patrick Mulvaney. He's a restaurateur in Sacramento. It's, do we attract the broken people or do we break them? Mm. And I think the answer is yes. Yes to both. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> how do you break them? Not you personally, but how does this industry break people? I mean, there's the very easy things to look at of, um, you know, you you work when other people are playing. Um, so your connection to the outside world is fairly severed. You know, hey, you know, we're having a party on Saturday night. I mean, your niece is graduating. You need to be there. I can't. I got to work. You know, so you get disconnect from your family, you disconnect from all other friends. Um, now your social circle is your coworkers because you're getting done at 11, 12 o'clock at night. What are you going to do? I mean, do you get off work at five o'clock and go home and go to bed? You know, <laughs> um, I wish you know, so there's. Yes, something has to be done to unwind from all that. You know, any kind of social interaction that usually revolves around going out to the bars or other things. It's a culture of substance misuse in a huge way, and it's glorified. You know, I drank so much last night; I must have done ten shots. Ten shots, but I'm here again at one at noon and. Uh, you over there, I'm gonna, you, new guy, I'm, stick with me. I'm going to train you. I'm going to show you what a badass I am. And that circle just kind of repeats itself. So we've got the hours. We've got the work conditions. It's hot. It's dirty. It's greasy. It's intense and stressful. It's abusive as hell, you know? <laughs> Even in culinary school, when I was paying to be in somebody's kitchen, I said something wrong to the chef, and I got a uh, not-so-subtle jab in the butt with a meat fork a couple hours later as payback you know <laughs> oh my gosh so it really is like hell's kitchen with gordon ramsay that's the old school way and unfortunately you know a lot of us have worked to try to make things better i started this was in the 80s and you know you learn from what you know so when i start for got my first chef job i you know i screamed just as much as every other chef that i'd worked for doesn't work you know um the old system is built on on a military model where you know you you take a new recruit and you break them down in boot camp until they have no sense of self left and then you build them back in your model so the whole system was designed to break you (laughs) right um but a lot of that you know break you and break your spirit it still remains even if it's not so abusive as it used to be you need to work in the model of me, not the model of you. You know what? If we can get the job done and we can, (laughs) if we can execute it the same way, does it have to have the 
exact same method, the exact same mind frame as the teacher. Mm-hmm. But that's what a chef wants. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's a lot of us who have come to a point, come to realizations, and I've written articles about how people have been potentially horrible bosses, but found themselves going, Oof, uh, I really need to change course right now. I was talking with a lot of respected chefs around the country, and unfortunately, I was seeing way too much of myself when I was conducting these interviews you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, in my earlier years. So, you know, these are people who I know are doing good things now, but how did they get there? And, you know, there's just unconscious decision making leads you to just being a, a horrible person to work for. Yeah. <laughs> um, Also, it is one of the most diverse industries that I can possibly think of, but it is probably the least equitable or inclusive. Many people of color, people not of this country, do not get the same advantage, the same advocacy, the same mentorship as somebody who fits the model of what the chef wants, you know, it's, um, you know, all these unconscious biases come into play. And unfortunately, some of the time they're not unconscious. You know, there's a huge segment of, um, of the industry that is underrepresented, underserved, that doesn't have the same chances. And while we've been working on all these different projects about raising mental health awareness, finding the resources to be able to deal with them, be able to help people, we're all talking in English. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Do you feel like as a white guy, you have a, a platform that you can use? I will not deny that one, one second. You know, I've, I've had a lot of advantages in my life. And um, you know, I'm, I'm quite aware of them at this point in time. And I try to, I'm actually working on a new business plan that is integrated with DEI from the ground up. Oh, wow. Okay. well, we'll have to put a pin in that and come back to that in a future conversation. But speaking of your platform and your writings in 2019, you wrote an essay in Food and Wine called What to Do with the Empty Hour. And I think you were starting to touch on this a few minutes ago. But what is the empty hour and what does it have to do with mental health? I mean, that's that's my time. And after I wrote this, a lot of people reached out to me and, and related. You get off work and you know, you're in your fifties. What are you supposed to do? Uh, hit the club. You're going to go hit the clubs with your, with your cooks who are 20, 20, 30 years younger than you. Yeah, maybe. There's something a little bit weird and creepy about that. It's not <laughs> just absolutely juvenile. You know, I wrote this about my experience and you know, many people will relate. My wife was my business partner, but she handled all the day-to-day operations and she wrapped up by six o'clock and, here I am coming home six, seven hours later. She's asleep. Our cats are asleep. My dogs are asleep. Oh, and... even the cats and dog. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Get no love. And, you know, there's times where there is nothing louder than a quiet house, you know. Mm-hmm. And I went through a long, long period of you know, dealing with that really loud, empty house. Um, my only thing I could possibly do is to try to interact with some people on social media, Facebook, and, whatnot, and drink until I could go to sleep. Because I'm still absolutely keyed up from work, but it's 1 a.m. And you know, what do you do at 1 a.m. if you're not out with your cooks who are doing things that 
you would have done 30 years ago, but no better than now, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's the empty hour. Yeah, to go from the cacophony of that kitchen and the dinner rush to just an empty, dark house. So would you say that you were an alcoholic? And how did you get out of that place? I have talked with many therapists, counselors, psychologists, and I don't think any of us agree that I'm an alcoholic. However, due to, uh, due to my mental states, I tend to self-medicate. Alcohol is an easy, convenient situation to be able to self-medicate. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, you know, six shots of bourbon a night is really not a good thing for anybody. So, you know. Probably not. So, you know, I had to work on, you know, I, when I was finally planning, trying to face what I was doing to myself, my counselor, my therapist, and I worked through some different plans to be able to deal with the end of the night a lot easier. And I refused to believe for a longer time that, I can have a couple of drinks and I'll be fine. We don't, we don't need to keep talking about my drinking. Oh yeah, I do. I guess we do need to talk about my drinking, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm one of those people who, um, actually I'm a rarity through, through the whole pandemic of, I actually drank less <laughs> through the pandemic than, than anybody else, but it was out of self-defense. Um, you know, one drink too many and I would go to a really dark place really quick and, the fact that I hadn't been drinking so much lowered what that one drink too many might be. So, <laughs> Right. Well, I'm glad you brought up the pandemic. How do you think the pandemic has exasperated the challenges of people in this industry and getting home at that hour when they're just keyed up and don't really have a way to release that energy? People are hurting in the, in, in the restaurant business right now at all levels from ownership to, to the lowliest employee. Oftentimes one person's doing the work of three, four people because there's just not enough staffing. And that's just abuse thrown on exhaustion. Owners are walking the floor trying to figure out how they're going to keep their business operating if they can't do the numbers necessary to be able to pay the rent because they don't have enough people in the kitchen. I'm a part of a Facebook group called Chefs with Issues, where we all discuss these things. And it's a closed private group where people can just talk. And, you know, <laughs> um, you know, everything that's said in there stays in there. And it's a safe space to be able to do that. But, yeah, everybody's, you know, they're either walking through the door, falling down exhausted, or doing something similar to any of the things I've described previously about just to try to cope. Oh, I love a private Facebook group where we can say what we can't say any other place. As a chef or a restaurant owner, how would we know if our employee needed help? This is a very good question that needs to be grappled with. One, we need to be able to identify behavior that's out of, out of the norm. You know, if... Somebody is just usually spot on and they're, they're, they're your strongest person and they're struggling one night. There's a chance that it's an outside, a very good chance that it's an outside influence that's causing this and not something, you know, they're not just having a bad night, you know. Trying to be mindful of these things, um, trying to be able to create a means of being able to communicate about this where, the, where all parties feel safe. Because 
honestly, I, I read a story where uh, a study last year where two-thirds of America would feel would not feel safe talking to their employer about their mental health. Mm. And I kind of, you know, asked around and with everybody that I, I asked, what would it take to make you feel safe? And the overwhelming response was nothing. I would never do it. Wow. So there's a, there's a very big distrust between employer, employee, manager, team member, whatever. And I won't say it's without, without good reason, but as an employer, as a manager, it's now upon us to establish a means where we can have conversations like that if we wish to be able to continue as a successful business, as, as a place that treats people right, as a place that, you know, the attrition rate um, among jobs where people don't feel safe is huge. If you're having to stop and retrain somebody every three months, the, the, the dollar amount of that training alone is enough to start taking away the profit for that 90 days. And if that's happening on a weekly basis, well, you got a much bigger problem, you know? Right. <laughs> One of the things that I highly recommend is that there's somebody who's trained in mental health first aid on staff at all times. So whenever there are people in the building, there is somebody there who knows how to recognize the signs of somebody who's having mental health issues, knows how to deal with them to an extent because you know it's not a professional training it's first aid but at least you can recognize what's happening and you can like are you okay are you going to hurt yourself what can we do to help you right now and another person um i'm actually going to refer back to my friend uh patrick mulvaney again he instituted a program in his restaurants where everybody at check-in when they were clocking in they take a color-coded card, red, green, or red, green, or yellow, and they drop it in a box. It's completely anonymous. You know, right before there's you know, time for the evening review, right before opening the doors, they go through and they're like, uh, we got two yellows and a red. Okay, we got some people who are struggling here. Um, everybody be on your best behavior. Everybody look out for each other. Everybody just try to good tonight please you know <laughs> i might need to get one of those uh boxes for my house just everybody <laughs> let's see what kind of energy you're bringing into the house no i love that idea and i know that in 2019 you completed a course to be a mental health first responder so how has that been going for you i mean it's just a it's just a set of tools that are a little more standardized than years of making it up on the fly because I know that there's somebody on my staff who's just not doing okay right now. And what am I supposed to do about it? Let's try this. Let's try this. Let's try this. So it's a little more formalized set of tools. Before I let you go, I love the tip about the different color-coded cards because it's so practical. I'm wondering if you have any other practical advice for how those of us in the dining room can be good allies to the people working in restaurants. The easiest way for somebody to be an ally is to be understanding that the person who's you're dealing with is a person too. And, you know, we're in the service industry. This is not servitude because that energy channels to everybody in the place. So 
server now goes back to the kitchen, they're completely rattled from watching from a bad exchange. That goes to the people that they're asking for food from. Everything that, that gets keyed up, it gets fed back. It goes back around everybody in the building uh, exponentially. So just be, you know, just be kind. And especially right now, be understanding that everybody's doing the best that they can, but they're, they're doing the job of multiple people. Y'all wanted the restaurants back open. They're open. Be nice. (laughs) Touche. Don't be a jerk. Okay. So you're no longer doing the uh, copious amounts of alcohol at night. I'm guessing. What are some healthy ways that you unwind or keep the stress at bay these days? Well, I make sure to get some exercise every day. You know, whether it's just taking my dogs for a, for a long walk or whatever, you know, it starts generating the right chemicals in your brain. Uh, if not, a, none of these pieces are cure-alls. I'm never claiming them, and I don't want to be the, oh, just go take a walk person to somebody who's depressed. Getting a little physical exercise helps me, and focused exercise, not just running around a kitchen like a maniac. Meditation actually works very well. You know, just take 10 minutes out of your day to disconnect let the monkey brain shut up for a little while. I'm sure it'll still be talking about training yourself to be able to let, just let thoughts pass by, and it's, even if it's just for a few minutes. And therapy, I can't stress. It's this is a position of privilege because therapy is expensive. Most people don't have access to these things. But if you can, please do, because you're you're being taught to take how you've always reacted to situations and pull them out and examine them and look around and train yourself to react to them in a more reasonable way that doesn't cause havoc for you, that doesn't magnify onto the people around you. (laughs) Um, So I can't advocate uh, therapy enough. These are the tools in my box that I use regularly. Well, thank you for sharing that and for being so open. I know this was a heavy subject for our listeners, but I think it's important and I really appreciate your time. Is there anything else you want to add? Yeah, I want everybody to, you know, the overwhelming message that we try to spread. If you're struggling, it's okay to not be okay. You know, don't make it worse by punishing yourself for not being okay. Once you stop doing that, you can start moving forward. Greg Baker, thank you so much. Thank you. Greg Baker is a chef turned restaurant consultant. I so appreciated him opening up about a subject that is not always easy to talk about, but I think it was important. If you or someone you know is experiencing a mental health crisis, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. Or you can text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741741. The numbers are also in the show notes and on our website, thezestpodcast.com. I'm Dalia Colon. I produce The Zest with Andrew Lucas. This week, we had help from Chandler Balcom, Mark Hayes, and Lily Thiessen. The Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media, copyright 2021.